we continue in worship this morning, we're in the book of Judges. We're, we're getting close to the end, but uh, as we get close to the end, sometimes that, that can be painful. We, we like it when all the stories end with this, and they live happily ever after. Uh, but unfortunately, there's a lot of stories in Scripture, and, and even stories in life where it doesn't end happily ever after. And, and we've been, hopefully you've been, I know I've been, challenged by this book. Challenged to take stock of not just the stories and, and, and what happens in the nation of Israel, but what is this, how am I like them? How am I like the characters in the book of Judges? How am I a judge, whether good or bad? And as we come to the remainder of the story of Samson, it, you know, I thought of, you know, just kind of put the love up, and we're going to fill in the blank some. We have phrases where we fill in the blank with for the love of, you know, all things good, for the love of God, for the love of, you know, whatever. We're going to see that. But see, the task of the nation of Israel is not unlike our task. We are the people of God today. God has called us. And the task that we are to have is to be in the world, but not of it. And this was the task of the Israelites. They were in the nation. And we read that they didn't get all of the tribes out that went before but instead, some of them were there. There's a, a, a phrase within Deuteronomy, I believe it is, the beginning of Judges, Joshua, where it said the nations were there to test the Israelites. How well would they be in the culture of the day, but not of the culture of the day? And is that not our task and our challenge as well? How do we live in this world? But not be like this world. The prayer of Jesus in John 17 was not that we would be taken out, but we would be protected in the world. Jerry McCain Jr. in his uh, commentary on Judges says this, and I thought it was important for us to hear. He says, The people of God have always been tempted to reflect culture instead of transforming it. But perhaps. The temptation is, is greater in North America today than at any other time or place in the history of God's people. A very astute observation. Where we in North America and Western culture, the temptation to uh, reflect our culture is greater than probably at any other point in time. I think it's unique. And I think it's there. So how will we? Can we see ourselves in Samson this morning? Are we willing to let the word of God speak what is true, whether or not we like it? There have been many times as I've been going through the book of Judges this, these past months that I didn't like what God had to say to me. Because I didn't want to hear it. I'd rather it be nice, rosy, cozy. I would rather it be, and all things happened, and life was fine. Yet, that's not the case. In fact, with Samson, we come to this portion, as we will find at the end, is there is never any rest for the land after Samson. 
He's the only judge where there is no peace, there is no rest, there is no, and they live happily ever after for at least X amount of years. To be in but not up. Our call is to be faithful. The call of the nation of Israel was to be faithful to their God. The Shema, the, the words of Deuteronomy 6, for do, do not forget the Lord your God is one. Worship him alone. He alone was their ruler, or supposed to be. But we will see that it isn't just Samson that lost sight of their love. The whole nation of Israel. And, and here's where things are. This is what the nation of Israel, as well as the culture of those days, and I would submit the words of Judges 17 here are the words of our day. In those days, Israel had no king. Well, that doesn't apply to us necessarily. But the next part does. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. That's a little bit different. That's not verbatim the NIV here. It's a little bit of my own translation because the, the NIV will say uh, these words. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw it. Saw fit. But time and time again, especially with Samson. And Samson, we're going to see this right away in verse 3. Samson says to his father, Give her, the woman of Timnah, for she is right in my own eyes, is the word there. Not the idea that she's right for me. He wasn't looking at uh, setting up a compatibility test. It was, she looks good in my eyes. She's right according to my eyes. And this is the struggle I think you and I face. Whether we've been a Christian for a whopping six hours or 60 plus years. The tension, the pool is, are we going to do what is right in our own eyes or are we going to submit to what is right in the Lord's eyes? See, as we remember from last week and as we pick up the story of Samson, Samson was called to be different. This was his Nazarite vow. He knew this. And, and turn with me to Judges uh, 16. And here's how we know he knew this. He is with uh, uh, Delilah. Interesting enough, Delilah is the only woman named in the whole story of Samson which is the highlight of probably not a good thing. Right? Sometimes to be known by name is not a good thing in Scripture. You'd rather be anonymous. Uh, you'd rather be no-named. Right? Uh, she's trying to figure out how to subdue him. And in verses 17 to beyond, he says, So he told her everything. Interesting enough, this is the first time Samson actually shares everything. The problem is he's doing it as he sees right in his own eyes, not as the Lord has asked. And he told her everything. No razor has been used on my head because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God for my mother's womb. He is not oblivious to his fault. He knew it. As believers, we know we are called to be different. For many of us, this isn't an issue. For you young folks, you are called in Christ to be different, not like 
everyone else. You are to be different. God has called us out of sin into his grace for a purpose. He called the nation of Israel out of Exodus into Canaan for a purpose. To be the light to the rest of the world. It wasn't that God doesn't care about the rest of the nations in the Old Testament. No, he picked his people and said, you will show everybody else what it looks like to live in right relationship with the one true God. They were called to be different. If you know Jesus, you are called to be different. But here's the thing. Sin has a rule. <clears throat> it has a way of pulling you in. And Samson has a sin. He has probably multitude of sins. There's one highlight. It's the sin of the eyes. He sees what is right in his own eyes. And it becomes true and how he relates to the women of his life. That sin has not gone away. And it's not just some sin uh, for just men. Though the issues of porn and the like are great. It is greater today than we would like to think. And it's not just a sin that is outside the walls of the church. It is a sin that is right here in the walls of the church. For many, many. I mean, if you're watching us online, if you're here, if you have this, come see me. This is something you can find freedom because sin doesn't have to have the last word. But you know what? For you ladies, it's also good. Yeah, we would like to think that sin isn't as uh, predominant or prevalent with women. It is. Years ago, uh, one of the forefront experts in this area said it may be a 40-60 split between men and women, men being the heart. But you know what? We have a sin of the eyes ourselves. We see something, the next shiny thing, and we got to have it. we got to keep up with our neighbors. We're, we're, we see what other people have, whether it's the body that we don't have, the hair we don't have. You know, some of us care about that, Mary, you and I don't, you know. Uh, but for that truck, that car, that degree, that whatever that is, and it looks right in our own eyes, and we fail to see that just because it looks right in our own eyes doesn't mean that's what God wants. Doesn't mean it. There's a proper place for all those things. But when it starts to become the forefront, it is the idol. It is the lure of sin. And, and, and Samson, time and time again, the lure of sin gets the best of him. And sin always leads to destruction. Jesus said it this way in the book of the Gospel of John, the fourth book of the New Testament. The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We see time and time again the sin for Samson uh, stealing things, killing things, and destroying things. Whether that's uh, tying up foxes with torches to their tails and sending them through the grave to wipe out the food of the Philistines. Why? 
Because in his own eyes, he thought he was right to get revenge. We, we have a saying in our culture, vengeance is sweet, right? The problem is, is vengeance only makes more vengeance happen. And this is the story of Samson. He does something wrong to the Philistines, so what do they do? They do something wrong back. What does he do? He does something wrong back. What do they do? They do something wrong back. You would think one of the sides would realize this isn't going to work. But the lure of sin is we don't see the issue right before us. That's why if you do our devotions, you can find them online at bcstparis.com slash devotions. You will read the passage in Romans where, where Paul says, leave room for God's wrath, God's vengeance, God's revenge. And he says, instead of taking vengeance on whoever, love them. Ouch. <clears throat> Teens, as you get ready to go into school, because I know it's there. Drama, right? Jordan looked up like, uh-oh. I'm not talking about you yet. All right. Billy, is there drama in school? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wait until you get that. There's drama. And the temptation is, is I can start it back at them. If they did it to me, I can do it back. I will show them who's boss. I will show them not to mess with me. Yet the words of Scripture over and over again, Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus, could you just cut that out? Will you just stop that? But see, if you are a believer in Jesus, that is our path. That is how we're called to be different. Yet it is so hard. See, we would think then the lure of sin would damage us. Look to me at uh, verses 4, the last part of 3 and 4 of Judges 14. When Samson saw the lure of sin, what was right in his own eyes, he said to his father, give her for me. Verse 4. His parents did not know that this was from the Lord who was seeking an occasion to confront the Israelites. Now, we can look at this and somebody go, oh, well, God must have been okay with my sin. No. Absolutely not. What is true is God's grace is greater than sin. But he never, this isn't the idea, the, the words here isn't, hey, well, since God's going to use my sin, I better just go ahead and go sin because God will use it. Paul, in Romans 6, says, absolutely not, don't even think about it. You have to be crazy if you think you can sin just because grace shows up. That's my paraphrase. You probably would say it even harsher. But what we see here is that God is still going to use the issues of Samson for his greater purposes. God isn't surprised by the sin of Samson, and it doesn't mean God can't do it. Anything about it. So don't live in the shame and regret you've messed up. May that be a motivation that you move forward in God's grace. For the love of See, for Samson, I believe we can uh, characterize his life. There's a model that he had. It was for the love of self. For the love of self. Here he was to deliver 
his nation, to begin that. And never once does he ever seem to get an idea that he's there for a greater purpose than himself. He says, here, go get this woman. She's right in my own eyes. He, he finds a lion, kills a lion. That was just what was right in his own eyes to do. He forgot his Nazarite vow. He wasn't supposed to touch anything dead. And then he doesn't tell his parents. That doesn't ever go well, kids. You know what? Your dad and mom will always find out. Not sure how, but they will. You know, I'm sure Caden and Jordan and Billy can tell those stories of even when they try to hide it, mom and dad somehow find out. You just don't ever do anything wrong, right? Yeah. I'm not even going to say that over here. <laughs> All right, right, Bernie? We know better. They don't find out, but God always sees. Then he goes back the next day, and what does he do? He not only kills the lion, he goes in and grabs something out of the lion. This is like big no-no. Okay? He knows this. But he's thinking of just me, myself, and I. So what does, where do we see? We see that at the end of chapter 14, he went down to Aswan, he struck down 30 of their men, the Philistines, and he takes their clothes because he lost his own bets. And burning with anger, he returned home. The Philistines do what they think they ought to do. And then uh, he says in 15, 17, or 15, 7, he says, Since you've acted like this, since you've wronged me again, I swear that I won't stop until I get my vengeance on you. So he acted again. See, he's given this idea, it's only about him. Wrong Samson, and you're in trouble. You picked the wrong guy. Then when he gets captured, Again, Samson takes and he gets revenge on his own self. He gets revenge again. All right? And he, he strikes people down. He takes the gate and he kind of takes it away. And then he gets thirsty. It's like, I need some water. Oh, yeah. God's grace, the, the grace of God that is greater than the sin of Samson is that I will actually let you have water. Even his final prayer in Judges 16, we think it's going to sound good. We think it's going to be right. He says, Sovereign Lord, oh good, we're finally praying, Samson. We're finally getting it. I mean, it's only taken uh, who knows how many years, 20 years. His eyes have been plucked out for him to start to get it. Remember me. Okay, that's not bad. Then he goes on to say, Judges 16, 28, Please, God, strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get what? Revenge. It's still about Samson. Still, he's not gotten the point. The lure of our culture the lure of the Western American way of life is the lure of it's about me. 
See, our Eastern uh, friends around the world, they don't have that lore. Because it built into the Eastern culture way of life is community. That what I do matters to somebody else. That how I live affects somebody else and vice versa. But the further west you get, the less it's about others or family or clan. And the more it's about me, myself, and I. Personal shrine at the state of others is okay. As long as I can get enough, which is never defined, but is always a pursuit, I will be fine, even if it leaves someone else or off. For the love of self. That's where we all struggle with. Let's see, then tucked into this story. It's not just love of self. There's another group of people, the Judahites, the clan of Judah, the men of Judah, uh, chapter 15. When Samson comes back, he, they, they come up and uh, Philistines come to Judah, and Judah goes, why are you come to fight us? And so the Philistines say, well, your man Samson keeps picking a fight with us, so we're just kind of trading back and forth. And here's the words here. The Philistines went out and camped in Judah, spreading out near Lehi. The people of Judah asked, why have you come to fight us? We've come to take Samson prisoner. They answered, to do to him as he did to us. They're to love himself themselves. They're just going to tit for tat here. I fly here. Jesus took care of that, did he not? He said, I don't say I for I. All right. Then 3,000 men from Judah. Judah. Look at this. The nation of Israel was to be unified. Samson is one of their own. He's not from the tribe of Judah, but he's an Israelite. 3,000 men from Judah went down to the cave in the rock of Judah and said to Samson, okay, so they're now going to trade off something in order for Samson to be captured. It says, don't you realize that the Philistines are rulers over us? What have you done to us? Now, I've said one thing that's wrong with their even attitude. They're, they're getting ready to trade one of their others to the Philistines. This is an uncommon theme in Scripture. In fact, um, many times over, we, we see brothers trading brothers. You know? Siblings trading siblings. But the other issue with these words is this. They forgot to be faithful. They asked questions. Don't you realize the Philistines are rulers over us? The answer to that is false. To an Israelite, the Philistines aren't their rulers. Gods. But see, they have a love of security. Just don't rock the boat. Samson, you rock the boat. Don't you know the Philistines are our rulers? And the reality is, is Samson, if you wanted to, could quote scripture that no, 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 we have only one ruler, and that is the Lord God himself. But he's not thinking that. I wonder if sometimes our issue may not be a love of self, but our issue is a love of security. And in that, we may become okay with a way of life that God never intends. 
The men of Judah got okay with the fact that God wasn't their ruler. So now they're willing to give up one of their own in order to keep secure. Just don't rock the boat. Have you ever been that way? I have. Don't rock the boat. Just Not to pick on churches, but we churches have a way uh, of making sure anybody who tries to rock the boat, even unintentionally, we, we say things like, that's not the way to do it here. Don't you know so-and-so started that with the understanding that you can't stop that? You can't change that? And sometimes we need to realize that sometimes God wants to break us out of our security. Jesus never said that I came that you may just have a secure existence in life. He said, I come that you may have life and life abundantly. Jesus also said, I didn't come that you would just have all the good things. He says, because of who I am, you must deny everything. If you lose your life for my sake, you will gain it. Don't worry about he or they who can kill the body, but about he who can kill the soul. And he always reminded us to look differently, to be different. So as I end, three last thoughts as we transition into community. One, we cannot thwart God's plan. You can't stop God's plan. If anybody in the book of Judges who ought to have been able to stop the plan of God, Samson is it. So, uh, young people, don't be a Samson. Please don't. He's not uh, portrayed as someone when you want to be like. Okay? But if you become like Samson, you can't thwart God's plan. Your sin, your mistakes can't go. God's not going to go, well, I guess I'm done now. I can't handle that. In fact, God's grace overcomes the sin of Samson. You can't work God's plan, but you can squander his grace. Samson had it all set up for him. He had a great calling. He had great natural abilities. He had great knowledge. And he squandered it. You know, he squandered it. Others saw that there was something special about that guy. And he squandered. You can't thwart God's plan, but God always works incarnationally with other human beings using us. We can sure squander his grace. And I don't want us, individually or collectively, to squander the grace of God. I'm left wondering, and almost in the book of Judges, you're left wondering that what would happen if Samson actually died? Would there have been peace in the land? Maybe not forever, but for a little bit. Don't squander God's grace. For we are to live for the love of Christ alone. We stand on the shoulders of Luther, Swinghilly, and others of the Reformation that pointed us back in the scripture of grace alone and Christ alone. The love of Christ alone. 
This is why Jesus in the Great Commandment said, you must love the Lord your God. How? All of your being. And if you can get that right, you might be able to get the second part. Love your neighbor as yourself. We say that you are loved this morning. We spoke those words to one another this morning. You are loved because of who Christ is. And I don't want to say all he asks of us, because it's not an easy task. But what he asks of us is that we give it all back to him. For he and he alone are worthy of praise, honor, and glory, as Daniel reminded us a few moments ago. For the love of Christ alone. And see, because of that, we can come to this table. We can participate in communion because of Christ alone, by his grace alone. He says, it's open. Here's my grace. Here's my grace. But well, may the grace of Christ and the love of Christ change you and me this day. May the words of Judges 17 not be uttered of the church of Jesus Christ today, First Baptist Church, St. Paris, or you or I who hear these words this morning. May this not be said of us. In those days, everyone did as they thought was right in their own eyes. For my eyes will fail. For the Lord will that. And this is why Paul says in the book of Corinthians that we need to pray that people's eyes would be open and they would no longer be blinded from the enemy, but would be open to the gospel. And that's not just a prayer for unbelievers. That's a prayer for you and for me. That our eyes would be open so that we see Christ clearer today than we did yesterday. So that for the love of Christ alone, we live today and tomorrow. We pray with you, Father God, we thank you.